excited for this week's podcast episode because I have my wonderful mother and my Rachel and I's other sister. I guess it's Rachel's mother as well, but um, <laughs> my other sister, uh, Becca, is visiting. So my mother, Rose, and my sister, Becca, and they're just going to give us some insights on some of the ways they parented. Um, those For those of you who have listened, you know that my mother has raised seven children and then all the other random people that came and lived at our house from time to time. If you haven't had a chance, you should go listen to our last couple weeks episodes. Last week's episode was about Rachel and I in our childhood and just some funny stories. We laughed the whole time. It's very embarrassing for us, but should be very fun for you. So go check that out. We are the Insta Mamas. We're on Spotify, Google Play, uh, Anchor. We're still working on iTunes, um, but we're just so happy you guys are here with us today. So let's just introduce our guests a little bit. And Rachel, you should just say hi to our listeners. Hi, you know me, Rachel. You can find me on Instagram at fosteringhealth89. And you know me, Natalie. You can find me at Natalie underscore underscore clean living 1999 1990 gosh I keep trying to be born in 1999 so anyways and I'm Rose and I'm Becca and we're just so we have been just laughing and laughing that is something that happens when we all get together we are dancing and singing and then we are laughing and crying and the cousins (laughs) getting together has been the best thing like even when my sister and my mom got here we just ran to each other and that's how it is every time we get together we just run and so my mother she has raised seven kids like we said in our intro but she has some insights as a foster mom when her last child went off to college she was an empty nester. When most parents are turning their kids' rooms into home gyms and going on cruises, my parents re-signed up for parenthood again through foster care. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you believe that? And I think uh, in a lot of ways, they had raised six kids and they, you know, we all had our crazy times and easy times, but I think it's, uh, it was amazing to see how different parenting kids who came from trauma and instead of being afraid of it and turning them off to the situation it actually made them research and find um, this really cool program so she's going to tell us a little bit about it but it doesn't matter if you're a foster parent adoptive parent every parent every child has experienced some kind of trauma in their life whether it's breaking a bone or moving or what are some other traumas some childhood traumas. Well, even the first day of school or getting bullied at school or different things like that. And so a parenting technique that can really help with kids that have experienced trauma or really any child is called TBRI. So we are going to um, hand it over to my mom and she's going to tell us a little bit about TBRI. So TBRI are the, is the acronym for, for Trust-Based Relational Intervention. And um, so like Rachel had mentioned, we raised our six daughters. We were empty nesters for three days and then our first foster child moved in. And um, God has such a a sense of humor because we were so excited and love was going to be the ticket. And the first child we received, he only had ADHD. But 
we ended up finding out over a year the child did have like seven different disorders. And so that was very difficult. That was our first introduction to a child from trauma. And so we, um, over the next several years, had probably another 20 children that came through our home. Then we adopted uh, our little son, DeLeon, when he was nine, and he's 12 now. And at about age 10, we started seeing some things that were very concerning to us and our normal parenting that we had raised our six girls with that worked so well now was just not working at all. And so I'm gonna just stop here a second and talk about the human brain. I don't want to bore you, but there's some really cool stuff in the human brain that has to do with this. When, um, we'll first start with something we call the amygdala response. So your brain, when you experience anything in the world, your senses, sight, hearing, taste, smell, touch, all of that sensory stuff comes into your thalamus. And then it goes directly to your amygdala and to your prefrontal cortex. But it goes faster to the amygdala. So basically everything that comes into your child's brain is being responded to in the amygdala area of the brain, which is also been nicknamed the reptile part of your brain. So, and I know some people like our social worker calls it um, the animal part of your brain, which probably seems a little bit cruel, but even adults think in that brain, right? Sometimes when we're yes. really upset or... Yes, so what happens is um, the senses come in through the thalamus, it goes to the amygdala. Your amygdala a lot of times will react to even perceived threats. And then it gets to your prefrontal cortex and then it decides whether it truly is a um, threat or not. But our kiddos from trauma live in their amygdala brain most of the time. And so they never get that chance for it to get to the prefrontal cortex to be reasoned with. And let me give you an example. So you're walking down a, a darker hallway and you run into a spider right in front of your face. What happens is the thalamus says, oh, I'm seeing this spider. Oh my goodness, sends it to the amygdala. If you're Rachel, you scream bloody murder. Yes. Oh, she's like I can't do spiders. <laughs> and then your amygdala says danger, danger, and you will respond in one of three ways. You will either fight, so maybe you're gonna slap the spider, or you're gonna Heck no. or you're gonna do the flight thing and run as fast as you can the opposite way, or you're gonna freeze. So then what happens is um, your prefrontal cortex, let's say it's a prank that somebody pr played on your, your prefrontal cortex will say, oh, that's a fake spider. But when you are in your amygdala response, your, um, your, your parasynthetic nervous system reacts. And what that means is your adrenal glands start sending out cortisol. Your eye, your eyes dilate. Your breathing gets shallow. Which and cortisol fast. is the thing that causes stress? Yes, the stress, stress hormone. So stress when hormone. you're stressed out and your cortisol is high, that can lead to chronic stress, which can lead to all kinds of other health issues. Yes, and you will um, 
<laughs> and you'll want to get away from or fight or freeze. So, um, and then what happens is you're, because we as adults a lot of times can then allow our prefrontal cortex to reason with us and say, hey, that's a fake spider. Our or it's just a regular spider and it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> if it's a regular spider, it's a big deal. Okay. For me, it wouldn't be. But So then you're, then you, what they call your sympathetic um, nervous system takes over. Your breathing slows down. Your dilation in your eyes um, return to normal. And then you're in a normal state again. What happens with children from trauma is that they live in this amygdala response most of the time. Mm. And can I can I just, before you finish that real quick, um, it's important for us as humans to have that fight and flight. Some people are like, well, this is kind of a negative thing if it's causing these children to be so stressed all the time. Well, in you know, in our ancestry and even like animals in the wild, if a, if a warthog sees, um, sees a lion, it's gonna go into that fight or flight mode. It's gonna get tunnel vision so it can see the lion. It's, it's digestion is even gonna stop. People don't realize, but when you go into that adrenaline, that, what's the word, amygdala? Your amygdala. Your amygdala, your animal brain, it is for a survival technique. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, God made us this way so that we could, if we saw danger, we could, our brains could, before we can even think about what the danger is, our brains are saving us. Yeah, but, when you're out in the middle of the woods, even as a human nowadays, not an ancestor, yeah. and you saw a bear, well, I don't know, there's the whole thing like run, make yourself bigger, or get in, but honestly, my response if I saw a giant bear is I'd run. Okay, first of all, if you see a giant bear, don't make yourself bigger, that is the worst advice. You're supposed to make yourself like okay. dead. We're not so. professionals when it comes to like the wilderness, so please do not quote us on this, yeah. um, but I would, just run but can you imagine living in a home where your dad is the bear and you mm. are living with the bear so mom can you tell us why these children you were about to but tell us why these children always live in that amygdala response in that animal brain well if a child comes and and like we had talked about earlier a lot of times it's the foster child or children that um um, are adopted from overseas and things we don't know what happened to them necessarily up to the point that they came in our home and so we won't even understand that there are things that will trigger this response but so much of the time these kids um, have been mal the maltreatment has been so severe that that they never go out of that response mm -hmm. and when you are in that response um, we had talked about the two different nervous systems. When you're in the uh, sympathetic nervous uh, system, that's called the rest and digest system. So if you are always stressed because you're afraid of danger, your digestion system sits steps down, your, um, your digestion your digestive system. It's funny when you get in front of the down. microphone, it's like it's you forget how to talk. It's, yeah. it's Don't a thing. Worry. Don't worry about it. We Natalie all do will it. correct you. <laughs> your digestive system shuts down. Your learning ability shuts down. All you were thinking about is how to protect yourself. And so um, when we, we had raised our six daughters and we really felt like our parenting was good. Um, for the most part, they'll tell you that I, there's no such thing as a perfect parent, but I'd really like to think that our home was a loving and kind 
poem. Um, I was pretty authoritative though about like if I said something I didn't I expected no back talk or disrespect. But if you've been if you've had that trust and relationship from the first day of your life, you know, because we always knew our mom loved us, we always knew she cared for us, so she could be authoritative. And then we wouldn't go into that fear response because we didn't think she was going to, like, yeah. hurt us or something. If we you knew know? she was honking twice, then she was leaving. And we were <laughs> chasing after that car. <laughs> but um, that is that. But some of these children haven't had that. They, When a baby comes into the world, they only have this caregiver that either responds to their cry, ignores their their cry or intermittently gives them attention or neglect. And that's what happens to most of these kids in the foster care system and possibly children from overseas that have been raised in an institution. So when they come to you, um, they can be triggered very easily and you're not gonna know what those triggers are. And so when our son came into our home he was very compliant. He was very happy. He was very easygoing. But then we had a situation at school that triggered him so badly that it just snowballed from there. The behaviors changed to a violent outburst and cussing and um, just a lot of anger. Then he became just this angry little boy. And he was like a really happy, pretty go-lucky, funny kid. I remember one time I woke up and I was kind of grumpy and he looks at me and he's like, oh, did you wake up with the wrong slice of bread? And I was like, what? The wrong slice of bread? And he's like, you know, people say that when they're upset. You wake up with the wrong slice of bread. <laughs> yes, he was just sweet. and and But what we didn't understand about trauma is it can lay dormant for a long period of time and then start to be triggered, and then the child then starts to live in that amygdala response again. And it's very difficult for a parent to know what to do in those situations. And so at one point, I was on my face before God, just saying, I am doing something wrong here, Lord. Nothing is working. Where did that little compliant boy go? And when I... I just got on the internet crying out to the Lord and I started looking up trauma then I came across videos about complex trauma and then the one that helped me the very most is when I found out about what's called developmental complex trauma and it's like PTSD on steroids so it's not that the child has just been um, the child hasn't just had one event in their life, but they've been marinated in trauma. So, um, so yeah, but, and I mean, this is obviously, these are extreme cases. And uh, TBRI, our social worker, because this is Natalie here, um, we were researching and figuring out how to parent a child who was raised in an orphanage. Um, our little girl is two, she'll be three in January, and... Uh, pray with us that she is here before her third birthday um, because we don't know what happened. We, like you said, we don't know what could trigger her. But um, but this could be any any child. But anyway, so our our social worker said, have you heard of TBRI? Because as Christians, a lot of Christians 
I don't want to say all Christians, but a lot of Christians parent in a pretty similar way. Like, here's the, the right thing to the moral thing to do. Obey your mother and father. And when you have that relationship and that trust from birth, and even before birth, you know, we're talking to our infants in the belly and all this stuff, then the child is able to obey you and trust you. But um, so a lot of Christians uh, struggle with parenting kids that don't understand morality and don't understand this like good bad you know they're just living in this state of fear all the time and you know obviously as Christians we believe we're not created with a spirit of fear um, so it's it was difficult but you actually have to rewire the brain that's why I love TBRI it's a very um, it follows very Christian principles um, but it you just instead of getting furious a kid. Get curious. Get curious. Yes. A kid. The biggest thing is where is the why behind this behavior? Mm-hmm. And even yeah. that happened the other night, Becca, the kids were playing on this chest, right? The, the kids, my sister has, the one that's here tonight, she has a three-year-old boy and an almost two-year-old boy. And last night, my daughter and him and her other little boy were all on this chest and it's a chest that opens up and they were playing on it. Well then all of a sudden her three-year-old son kept trying to pull people off the chest and he was starting to get really upset and instead of being upset with him and saying of course she jumps in and says you need to be nice to your cousins and let them play on top of their... Becky you chimed in and then what did you say? I just noticed he was trying to get them off of it, and every time he would get one down, it was like he was trying to open it. So then I got down, because part of TBRI is getting right on their level. And so I got down on his level, and I said, hey, bud, what do you think, what, what's going on? Why are you trying to get them off of there? Like, what is, what's, what's the problem? <laughs> yeah, basically, what's the problem? Why are you trying to pull them off of there? Because it's not very nice to keep pulling your cousins down. And then he was like, oh, I'm just trying to open this. So then I realized, because he's such a curious little guy, that he was just wondering what was in this chest. So I was like, okay, let's move them down. And then we opened it, and we're like, oh, this is where we store the wood. There's lots of spiders in here. Let's close it. And then after that, he was fine. All right, so we've talked a lot about these these trigger responses for children who have been traumatized or have come from trauma, but as we mentioned earlier, all children experience trauma, and so I was just hoping Becca would speak a little bit to her experience. Um, they have a pretty traditional family, two parents, loving. Well, and we want to show that TBRI, the Trust-Based Relationship Intervention, can actually work for kids who are coming out of trauma. It can work for everyone. You can use it on your dog. You can use it on your cat. It's a very well thought out way of parenting. So Becca, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your family and your experience? Um, so I guess I would say I had a little bit of more of a stressful pregnancy. When we found out we were pregnant, we were in the process of buying a house. So we were staying with my in-laws and the stress to like get into our own place was really high and then we were um, planning our wedding at the same time so that was really stressful and um, so when we first moved into our house it was like a very much of a fixer-upper very like well and we started a daycare we basically well oh, yeah that was a really stressful time okay. for you. like a really stressful daycare um, <laughs> we basically moved into this really gross old home 
that needed uh, painting and so everything basically needed like fixed up in there so it was our first little home together and it was fun and but I'm not gonna say it wasn't stressful <laughs> um, and then so uh, we bought the house in June we got married in August and we had our first son in November and everything was great you know the normal baby stuff and as he started to get more into the toddler years we noticed a lot of very big behaviors that we tried spanking we tried timeouts so we, some of the more traditional methods yeah and we know that toddlers are hard toddlers don't listen toddlers scream toddlers yell they're little emotional people mm -hmm. but i think the hardest for me was with him being around like other children and seeing he was very like not like violent but he had a lot of like outbursts where he would like hit and bite and so we were trying to deal with those behaviors and becca and has always been a very i know i keep interrupting you so i hope you're not losing your train of thought but becca has always been such a loving mom she would just look at her easy baby going. and just yeah becca's love an easy going person and her anyways. husband they're just so chill like i'm kind of high strung but Becca and Tyler are just very chill. Yeah, we've always had a very, like, calm, quiet, chill home. So we've got this, like, little eccentric, wild child <laughs> and, who just never stops moving. And we're every night we're sitting in bed like, okay, what are we doing wrong? But, and so the cool thing about my mom getting into the TBRI stuff is she's actually really helped me figure out um, better ways to deal with some of his behaviors and as he gets to be he'll be four years old next month as he gets to be a little older we're finding more that it's not just behaviors but it's also has to do with like sensory processing stuff and so the TBRI has like dramatically changed um, the way I parent but it has also like really helped um, our communication like I felt like I kind of had a strain between Thomas and I, t my son Thomas and I's relationship. And so it was really hard sometimes to be patient with him or be loving with him because I felt like I was constantly redirecting and getting him in trouble and it just, um, it took the joy out of because fancy. with those big emotions he's such a special kid he's so smart and funny yeah he had all these good qualities that i wasn't like fulfilling or getting to see very much because we were constantly like and then when uh we had our second child um thomas had just turned two and so it made it it's made it really difficult that transition for him and um I mean, our second child is just one of those, like, chill, goes with the flow. He just doesn't, doesn't really give you any, like, problems. And so with our first child, it was very difficult because we're, like, I feel like we're constantly getting our first child in trouble, but our second child is always getting the praise. And I just, I wanted to find, like, that balance of, um, that balance to get our relationship back on good terms because he's always had his his dad and they've always had a really good relationship and he would always really bond with him well but because I am like the stay-at-home parent that's with him all day I was really struggling with our relationship and that made me really sad because I always wanted to be a loving mom with 
a good relationship with my you kids. Are. You are a wonderful. Mom. Can you tell us like a story of a time where, like, you okay? S- I'm sorry. I'm. I know I've been interrupting a lot this podcast, but Becca needs to tell the story of the microwave just to show <laughs> just what kind of child. Okay, she's up again. She's making it sound like. She's he, making it sound okay. like it's just regular two-year-old behaviors, but this child wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, from the time the he was, <laughs> from the time he was like walking, he has just been one of those kids that's like uh, into everything. Like, um, I can't have anything at his level that I don't want him getting into. So we were on a little road trip. We were in. We drove all the way to Arizona, and we only got to stay for a couple days. So I mean, the drive time in between wasn't very much so we're heading back and we just we were supposed to make it to salt lake but we just we got to utah like about two hours out of salt lake and we were just like okay there's a hotel we gotta book it we can't go any further our kids were all screaming at the gas station like (laughs) for them not to get back in the car Mm -hmm. and so we get in the hotel, we get we get them situated with dinner and everything. Everyone's just stuffing their face and And Thomas loves hotels. Like when he, <laughs> I don't know why. But when he gets to a hotel, he just like wants to turn all the lamps on and he wants like, to un- unplug everything and play with all the buttons, like, like play with the phone. So he, they like, have this like phone. little microwave right at like a two year old's level. I don't know why, but... And he kept turning it on and off and, like, opening it and closing it, and we're like, okay, stop. All of a sudden, we smell this, like, melted plastic. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, smoking. And my brain just goes to, like, oh, my gosh, he put something in the microwave. And I, I, as quickly as I could... That's how smart she is as a mom. (laughs) It was probably in there for maybe, like, ten seconds. Yeah, not even that long. And I quickly opened the microwave, and all this smoke pours out, (laughs) and we realized it was the remote. (laughs) TV remote. So we quick like put it outside of the room, but the room, oh, my oh gosh. it smelled so bad. And we were so tired, and it was already so like all the kids were wound up to no end, and we're like, it was They're so never gonna late. Sleep, but we're all gonna get cancer from these like <laughs> microwave fumes. Microwave. Well, and batteries too. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I was like, like so the Lord thankful, didn't... like that it didn't explode in there. Oh, oh and then what did the hotel manager say to you when you said you needed to buy a new remote? He's like, well, we usually buy them by like the crate full, and I'm like, you're gonna make me pay for a crate full <laughs> of of universal remote so I can have one. He's like, this has never happened in the history of our hotel, <laughs> and I was like, can I make it? You know, maybe don't put the microwave down on the floor. Like, what the heck? Well, this makes me think about one of the ideals of. TBRI is the ideal approach. So I stands for immediate. So Becca was immediate. <laughs> She's so fast. <laughs> she is so fast. I'm like a turtle. Like okay. a turtle. Is that kid. a Spanish turtle? <laughs> so, so I, as immediate means, when your child starts to misbehave or you see a behavior that is um, over the top, you have to handle it immediately. That means you might have to put your phone down or you might have to pause the TV or you might have to just turn the stove off, but you immediately go and handle a situation. The D stands for direct. You don't yell at the child across the room. You directly get to the child. You get down to their level and you always do any kind of talking and Um, helping the child's behavior in a direct way but directly 
beside them, in front of them. Ask for their eyes when you're talking to them. And then, make sure you're just very calm. Yeah. That's and, the biggest thing is like keeping yourself calm so that you can actually figure out the problem rather than setting them off more. Yes. We call that the de-escalation. And sometimes they like to set you off. So if they can see that you're set off, it's kind of like the they, they feed on they that. They feed on it and they yeah. can feel that. So and then, then E oh. stands for efficient. So you efficiently handle the situation. You don't raise your voice. You keep your face and your voice very calm. Um, and you ask questions like, hey, like she did with the chest. Why are you having them get off? Why are you trying to knock them off? And it was as simple as I just want to see inside. Yeah, he so, wasn't trying to be mean and knock his cousins off the top of a chest. He liked so you efficiently <laughs> handle it. Um, the A stands for action. You do whatever action you decide right then, right there. You don't say, wait till your dad gets home. You handle it right mm -hmm. then, right there, and be over with it. You well, you know, maybe they're talking disrespectfully to you, and you say, hey, whoa, 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 can you try that again? And I've seen this. Nine times out of ten, Thomas will turn to Becca and say, I'm sorry, Mom, um, please. You know, he might say, <laughs> well, in the car driving down here yesterday, it's like, get me, what was he, he was one? He was like, get me a snack. Now. <laughs> and like, she's like, whoa, whoa, wait, can you say that again? And he's like, please. So it just gives the, it doesn't make the child feel like they're evil. It helps them to then just redirect their behavior in a positive way. And yeah. it takes the shame out of it because I think a lot of traditional parenting back from our grandparents day and even our parents day there was a lot of shame involved and what i'm learning and what i want to teach my own kids is we're human we make mistakes as adults we make mistakes and when we shame ourselves we need to move on from that we need to be like okay let's try that again and then let's move on and don't shame yourself and don't yeah. shame yourself like so, you don't and you don't want to shame your kids like oh I mean, so you way. don't shame your children for falling down when they're learning to walk. Mm -hmm. So why should you shame them when they're being disrespectful? You just give them a chance to redo it. And that's one of um, TBRI's big um, um, ideals is also well, just well, redo. Let's, let's look at and it. then let me look at L. Let me oh, finish. There's, let me still, there's L. a long word. No. I, ideal. So L stands for level the action at the behavior, not the child. Mm. When you are finished with disciplining your child in a positive way, they should come away from it content and in relationship with you. Mm -hmm. The relationship never has to be broken. And that's what shame and anger and calling names does to a child. But if you level, the, if you level it at the behavior, you say, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, we're always nice to our friends. We don't treat our friends that way. Hey, how could you do that differently? And we say, you are such a sweet boy. You don't do those kind of things. So you level it at the behavior, not at the child. And that's what's really helped. This is Becca again. I feel like that is what has really helped my relationship with my three-year-old because we're talking more. We're like, we're discussing why these behaviors are happening rather than me just like, okay, you have a timeout because you hit your brother. And then it's like, I, I pull him aside and I realize, oh, your brother was like taking your toy and so you retaliated. And 
so I it's been getting a lot better like I feel like we're more loving towards each other we have more time to just sit and talk like last night when we were um, going to bed he was asking like we have this little prayer that my dad used to say to us every night like um bring your angels to watch over and protect us so it was really cute last night because he was like okay what is it what are they protecting us from and i was like oh you know like the bad guys or and he's like well how do the angels um get in here and i was like well they can like fly around or sometimes we can't see them or he's like how do they fly around and i was like oh they have wings and just fun to like pick his brain and I and I think before I was just by the end of the day I was so exhausted that I was just like it's time for bed because I had been dealing with him all day getting into stuff pushing his brother hitting his brother and it's exhausting and, picking up your kid and putting them in the room picking them up putting them in yeah the room, it was like them up, putting one them day the I think I counted like 53 timeouts because I had stopped spanking before I learned about the TVRI and ideal, I had stopped spanking because I just realized, like, it doesn't work and it just makes him more upset. And then I don't really ever, I felt like timeouts were working better, but it still, I wasn't getting to, like, the root of problems. And address that. You don't do timeouts anymore. You do what we call, uh, that TVRI calls time-ins. Yeah, so instead of just, like, putting him in his room and locking the door, um, I've started going in there with him and letting him be upset (laughs) he'll like sometimes he'll like throw his books down or like just like get on his bed and like punch his pillow or well that's part of the fear or not the fear response but the amygdala response your body physically needs to do something when you're stressed yeah so i remove him from the situation so he's not like hurting his little brother Mm -hmm. um and and then we like discuss it we talk about it and you um, sit there until the amygdala response is over yeah, I because wait. when they're in their reptile brain, you cannot reason with a child. Yeah. yeah, it's like when you see a mom with a toddler just raging at a grocery store and they're throwing a fit and people give those side eyes like, oh, that child needs a spanking. Or, oh, that or child. you see this child raising and the mother's going, now, honey, we don't act like this. Yeah, so like, are you, you, like, you know, that's all out the window. The child cannot yeah, hear you. Like, they just literally take them out of the store, cannot hear you. Let them finish. And honestly, you guys, my child hates the grocery store because she hates being strapped into anything. She cries when she's in the car seat. She cries when she's in the... She cries when she's in the stroller. And so a lot of times when we're at the grocery store, she's just going to scream. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of have to let her rage through that because I'm going to be more stressed out. I'm She's going to be stressed out if I'm constantly getting on her case and trying to say like, we don't act like that or that's not how. And I'll just keep reminding her, okay, when you do this, then we can do this. And well, and Rachel, I, you know, and I, I've had many, many moms who did this where they left the grocery store. They left the, gro- the grocery cart full of groceries and, um, and it was embarrassing. It's always embarrassing when your child's acting out. Left it, but guess what? You don't have to do that very many times before the child learns their lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, I am willing to leave a grocery cart full of dairy in the middle of the aisle and walk out to the car to deal with you. I think another thing that's so hard for, for mothers is so much of life tears us down. And so um, we look around and see what everybody else is thinking of us. Mm-hmm. And TBRI teaches you really well 
It doesn't matter what the grandparents say. It doesn't matter what the aunt says or your siblings or anybody. When you start disciplining this way, this positive discipline, because discipline is only about discipleship. You're discipling your children to yeah, behave in be a loving kind. It's not about punishment. Yeah. It's all about training. Yeah. So... Um, you have to get to a point where you really do not care what other people think. You have to stick to this, and sometimes it's going to be you against the world. Well, well and Becca, you, oh, sorry, just yeah. a second, Becca, can you, you were starting to get to that, but we're this is hard. Rachel and I talk over each other. Time's out. It's four of us now. So um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Becca. So Becca, what is and I just want to say her son is in the other room playing by himself during this almost this entire podcast and he's doing so well and he's asking for things he needs but what has your relationship just talk about some things that have changed since you started doing this more positive parenting. I just want to like reiterate for any moms out there who are at their wits end with their toddlers and they're just struggling and they feel like they feel like they don't like have a good relationship with them or I would just like to reiterate like the TBR has really helped me like find my love again for my child and my patience and I'm really discovering more about him and um, a lot of the <laughs> see he's asking for the things that he needs yes okay just finish real quick Becca I'll take him um, auntie for the win yep <laughs> so I I think that's the biggest thing for me is like I would really encourage um moms if you're at that breaking point and other forms of discipline aren't working I would really encourage you to go to YouTube and just look up TBRI the ideal response and do some research it's, it has changed my life and if I didn't have my mom being right there like helping me through things I don't think I would be where I'm at right now and you've kind of behaviors. had some pushback haven't you with some other family members yeah um I mean, I won't go into de too much detail, but I will just give an example of a, we had a really bad situation with a family member kind of overstepped their discipline with our children. And um, uh, my three-year-old was spanked um, several times in a row. And the problem was we had never talked about those kinds of boundaries with them. So they felt like they had the right to just step in and discipline my child and it ended up being this huge falling out and very traumatic for for Thomas yeah he it, I mean we've had we kind of had a huge setback after that and so we're working on like healing from that and um building trust again yeah and so we haven't seen that member family member since the event but we are working towards rebuilding that relationship and now since we have set our boundaries with them and they know that they won't be in charge of discipline or and I actually like um, sent them some of the videos I've watched on YouTube and encouraged them to research what I'm trying to do and what our goals are with his behavior mm. and it seems so far it seems like that's helping but we still have yet to see them again so we will see how that all goes when some people are very set in their ways and they won't want to change I mean we've talked about this with some of our like weight loss podcasts and things like that people have to be ready but I will tell you since it's only been what two months since I've seen you guys last 
he is a new kid. He, and he's always been like the loving, adorable, so cute, so smart. But the work you guys are doing with him, and it seems like you're enjoying motherhood more. Yeah. And I just know, like, there are certain triggers for him. And I mean, I won't get all into all the sensory processing stuff, but we are getting him into therapies for that. But um, there are certain triggers for him that I will just avoid because um, it's not worth it. Large crowds. Yeah, overstimulate. That's a trigger for my husband too. <laughs> <laughs> He's been in his bedroom the whole An weekend. An introvert at heart. And so, what we do if we are wanting to do like family events, like um, we went to the harvest, we went to a harvest festival last weekend, and it was really fun, and we had our fun. But I could tell he was starting to wind down, and it was time to go. And so, most families would get to stay at something like that the whole day, but we just know okay, we're going to do a couple hours, we're going to have a good day, and we're going to go. And the transition of him leaving from these events has gotten so much better. Like, I just feel like we can leave something like this, and he's happy, and he's had a good time. But I think in the past we would just draw it out way too long, and then we would leave in tears and tantrums and... So, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm all about the details, and, you know, so... At first, it was like I was overwhelming Becca with all of this. But then I just felt like the Lord was like, just give her a book that she can look at and and take her time with it. And it was just so amazing because I gave her a book called The Whole Brain Child. And it talks about how the brain develops and how to teach a child and help them with their behaviors. Well, then that same day, her husband got on Amazon the audio book. And so at nighttime, she's reading the book, and he's listening to it. And so now, talk to that, how it's become a couple thing, not just you. Yeah, I think that's so important, is like, if, um, bring your husband into it. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult for you to um, actually... Implement be, it. Yeah, implement and be successful with it, unless your partner is... When and I'm on it too, and my husband, he needs like facts, so I'll bring him like articles. And that's why and I love the whole brain child because it breaks it down and it gives you like the science behind it, but it also like gives you an, an understanding of how their brain works and why. Because I think, especially with like family members, it they say, oh, that you need to spank that child. That behavior is not okay. That needs to stop. But the problem with that is is their brain are I mean like they're so young and their little brains are so underdeveloped and it's just so frustrating because it's like imagine when you have such a big emotion and you're crying and you're frustrated but we expect our little little ones to just understand that and not Mm -hmm. freak out and not have these big emotions but Mm -hmm. that's not fair to put that on them so what I love about the whole brain child is really help my husband get past the oh, my child needs to listen. Why, how, we've spanked him so many times. Why doesn't he listen? Why do other kids like to, um, why do other kids listen? Why do other kids, why are other kids successful with other behaviors? And, and I, it's just really helped us both understand our child more. And he's so much more patient. He's so much more loving. And he just, I, it's just like really changed our relationship too because I feel like we're not, fighting about decisions anymore I just I feel like we're more on the same page with things well and also you know it don't compare yourself to other parents because you might see a kid who when they're 
when their trauma is triggered, they might freeze, which means they don't act out. They don't have big emotions. So it might look like that kid is obedient, but that kid is just scared. And they're going through the same things that that other kid is going through. So don't compare. And then sometimes a kid just is not easily triggered. And sometimes every kid is different. Well, like her younger son, he's so easygoing. You have Thomas and then you have your baby and he's just. The only time he's really set off is like when he's tired or hungry. And I've been there. If (laughs) I'm the same way. If he's good, if he's like satisfied, he plays really well. He like doesn't really fight with other kids. So we are actually going to have to cut our conversation off right there. Um, We will continue this conversation in next week's episode. We just had so many things to talk about with trust-based relational intervention that we're just going to break it into two episodes. Thank you for bearing with us. I know there was a lot of background noise. We just had a house full of people and toddlers running around. And so we just really appreciate you guys. You, If you're listening, you probably have some idea of what motherhood is like. So thank you so much. If you want to stay in touch with us, we're on Instagram, fosteringhealth89 um, for Rachel and then Natalie underscore clean living. You can direct message us, ask us questions. And then tune in next week for more of this topic. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you soon.